That's all I could say. That's a true story. Amen. So if you have your alarm set and it plays chimes and bells and stuff like that, uh, move real close to the front. And then when I hear the chimes go, I'll be able to, uh, I'll be able to shut it down. We've got a lot of folks visiting us today, and uh, we're happy you're here. God bless you so good. We have several of our people, like uh, Frankie uh, gave Michael's report for him today and the glasses. They had uh, Tula had her hip replaced uh, the same week that Michael did, et cetera, and just on and on and on it kind of goes. And then we had uh, some folks on vacation called in, and then we had our camp meeting last week. How many of you got to go to the camp meeting? Good night. Oh, man, heaven came down. And that service, it was get filled or get killed. <laughs> Glory to God, we had a time. Folks were praising God. The joy fell. The preachers preached. And I just, uh, I was just basking in the sunlight of the Lord. And God just saturated our souls. And by the way, if you haven't heard, and I'm sure you have, because of this thing in our society called social media, but uh, Josh and uh, Lene have moved on now as our district youth directors up into uh, uh, the city of Bedford, Texas, to work on staff at a church. And our new, newly elected district youth directors are a couple from our church that uh, have been serving in Mahia for at least about a year now. And they have been voted in. That would be Caleb and Ingrid McLean. And they're our new district youth directors for all of our East Texas area. So when you see them, that's good. Go ahead and give them a hand. And so when you see them, uh, make sure that you congratulate them. And uh, I know God will bless them as they continue their their work in the Lord. Well, I got a short notice on this sermon. I got a pretty short notice. Friday, Michael came back through and he said, I said, did you say what? And he said, mm, mm. Melissa said he wants you to preach Sunday morning. <laughs> and so uh, I haven't heard from him since except for text. Uh, so uh, I got ready real quick. And I'm going to tell you, saints, listen to me carefully. When I get sermons ready real quick, you'll be able to tell it. Okay. <laughs> old preacher told me one time, he said, he said, don't ever get up and tell everybody you're not prepared because as soon as you open your mouth, they're going to find that out anyway. Okay. So, amen. So the Lord's good. I'm happy in Jesus. How about you? How many of you like the Bible? Could I see your hand? How many of you love the Word? I love the Word. Amen. How many of you like preaching? Okay, me too. And I'd like to hear what I'm going to say today. So let's go to the book of Psalms 121. Psalms 121. And uh, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. You'll give me a moment to dig down here and find uh, these uh, little deals I gave $7 for called glasses from the dollar store. And uh, we'll go to Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2. Steve and June, I hate to tell you all this, but y'all's names are not on that seat. Y'all's names are right over here. That's where y'all's name is. Okay, right over here. Robert and Melanie, y'all's names are not there. They're right about four more rows up, okay? So I just thought I'd let y'all know in case you want to wander over here because I, 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 I look that way a whole lot. Okay, God love you guys. 121, Psalms, verse 1. I will look or I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord 
which made heaven and earth. Some of your translations uh, say there that uh, I will look and lift up my eyes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk today on uh, some hills that are in the Bible. And uh, the topic that I have selected through prayer, got to the office real early this morning, spent a lot of time there, and then taught my class and uh, the schedule yesterday and the day before that with the funeral. I, uh, I had to do some scrapping to get all this put together. So you pray for me. Will you pray for me? Say amen. amen. All right, let's begin, shall we? In Jesus' name. How many of you understand and know that the Bible is a very unique book? No other book like it in the world. Nowhere at any place. It'll be here when all the atheists are buried. Say amen. It'll be here when the world ends, and then it'll keep on going after that. The list of subjects that the Bible talks about is unbelievable. It may shock you to know that the most up-to-date book in the world is the Bible. It's more up-to-date today than tomorrow morning's newspaper that has not yet been printed. That's how up-to-date the Bible is. It is so modern. The subjects in the Bible range from wild topics of birds and buildings and from fields and to seed and water and sun and boys and girls and elderly people, from whirlwinds and storms and dogs and dragons and from deserts and all the way out to the oceans. The Bible talks about every bit of that stuff. It talks about created beings, and it talks about uh, the eternal past, and it talks about the eternal future. And it talks about the present of what we have here today. Uh, and we have to keep in mind that God has knowledge to speak. And on any subject that God wants to speak on, it's always in order, and it is always exactly right. You see, God can speak on anything with intelligence. There's nothing that's happening in our world today that is a shock or a surprise to God. The knowledge that the Lord has is outstanding because God is the mastermind and the power that created the heavens and the earth. S.M. Lockridge said that God came from nowhere because the Old Testament says that God came from Teman. And the original word, Teman, is translated out of Hebrew, nowhere or nothing. He's always been God. He's God now. He'll be God in the future. You can't outlive Him, and you also can't live without Him. Amen. That's the beauty of our God. Another topic in the Bible that God speaks about is uh, extremely important, and that is hills and mountains. When I read the Bible, it's so up to date in that area. And there are many times that God's great men felt an unusually nearness to God, and, or they needed to feel it as well. And they would go somewhere to the top of a mountain and retreat back. Even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would go to the mountain for a time to pray. It was the Lord that led His, His servants to the top of Mount Transfiguration. Uh, David, in the Bible, spent some time in the mountains. At least one time when he was there, he was hiding for his life. He was trying to not be killed by Saul, and he was running for his life. Now, to better, better illustrate what I'm discussing in your hearing today, the Scriptures are a sacred volume. There's nothing out of date about the Bible. It spoke about Mount Horeb very clearly, 
where Moses was being prepared to live for God. It speaks about Mount Carmel, where Elijah stood and called fire down from heaven, and the fire fell on the altar, and God destroyed Baal and uh, all of Baalism. The next thing that I talk about is Bethel, where Joshua passed by there on his way to Jericho. And then there's another mountain called Nebo. And Mount Nebo is where God told Moses to get thee up to this mountain, and there I will speak to you. And then what about Mount Olivet? Everybody knows about that one. That's where the Great Commission was given. And then shortly after that, Jesus Christ disappeared into the clouds. And they said, Why stand gazing into heaven the same Jesus that you have seen go up will come again in like manner as you've seen him go away. And then there was that uh, great Mount Moriah where Abraham uh, was to offer his son Isaac. And then there was uh, another mountain in the Scripture that I'd like to refer to, and that is called Sinai. And if you will allow me today to talk about two mountains out of God's mountain range that I've just named, I'm going to pick out two. They're not connected surface-wise or base-to-base. They're far apart, and they're far removed in time. But there's something about both of these mountains that Calvary Church needs to hear about today. Uh, these two mountains uh, in, in God's mountain range compel me to mention some things that happened there. Number one, it's called Sinai, where the law was given, and Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross. You see, these two mountains were far apart and did not have surface connection. However, you'll note that something of interest took place in both of these mountains. Both mountains had a strange occurrence that can somehow, with a spiritual mind, link the top of that hill to the top of this hill over here. Somebody said, what in the world could that be? Well, I can help you with that, okay? Sinai had a great darkness that covered it one time when God visited that mountain. Also, Calvary had a great darkness on it when Jesus Christ died on the cross. God came down on Sinai and visited Moses there. How many of you know that story? Could I see your hand if you know that one? Now, God went down on Sinai and visited with Moses, but when Jesus Christ died on Calvary, the voice of God was silent. Jesus, while on the cross, even said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So on one mountain, there was a visitation. On the other, the visitation was withheld. Somebody said, well, what is making sense out of this to us? If you'll stay with me for a moment, I think I can connect it all together. Calvary had an earthquake one day uh, when Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. Do you know that Sinai had a major earthquake as well And when they heard the voice of God there? I want to point out, if I can, that this interesting thing, but inspirational to know that God in His foreknowledge gave minute details in the Scripture. Now, you do understand that the uh, modern world today would love to disprove the Bible. They would love to do that. However, they're not able to do so. The Bible is accurate in geography. It is accurate in its scientific part. It is accurate in its history. It's accurate in Israel's history. It's accurate in world's history. It is accurate in every way. And every time they try to dissect the Bible and declare that there's something wrong with it, 
It's not accurate. It's an old book that was put together by people, and it's not right, and the world should abandon it and go to a modern way of living. I want to tell you the Bible will be here. It's going nowhere, and it's, the, it's still the Word of the living God, and it is eternally true and settled in heaven. If you believe that, say amen. Now, if you will allow me, and I'm going to be a little bit picky right now, but if you will allow me to tell you this, the Bible is not afraid of a geographer's map. It's not afraid of a scientific flask that burns with a Bunsen burner on it in a science laboratory. It's not afraid of somebody who wants to rewrite history. It's not afraid of anything. The Bible is the Word of God. I'm going to rely upon it. I got off of a jet one time in Kansas City. I was going to preach that night, and we came out of Sacramento in bad weather, stormy weather. Man, we hit the, uh, the, the Rocky Mountains out there, and that was called clear air turbulence. And wow, the wings on the plane were flopping like a crow's wings. And I was holding on for dear life. They passed out pillows, and there was a young girl beside me in a seat that I didn't know and hadn't said a word to, but she looked at me and she said, Do you think we're going to die? Uh, and everybody was hanging on. Little little priest was right in front of me, a bald-headed priest, and I looked at his head, and it had beads of sweat on the top of it. He was hanging on as well. Everybody was wondering what was going to happen. And do you know that that plane was just popping and, and bucking and carrying on? And, man, it was wild. And I looked down the wing, and I saw those rivets out there. And I said, I wonder if the guy that put those rivets in the wings cheated when he was doing his high school test. <laughs> I was wanting to make sure he did all that right. Uh, and so uh, we finally landed and got down to the ground. And when I got over to the back ca- ca- uh, uh, the baggage carousel, uh, I stand there and everybody on the whole airplane, everybody on the whole airplane got their luggage but me. Everybody got their luggage. I didn't have mine. Everybody got theirs. They were talking about the flight, walking out the door. Oh, I thought it was going to die. I thought we we're gonna, not going to make it. Uh, and they were walking out and I stood there. The carousel went around and around and around and around. And I went over to lost baggage. And I was, I was afraid about one thing. That night I had to preach in Kansas City. I, I somewhere in, in, in Sacramento, one of those guys with his mind in a coma took my luggage and put it on the wrong plane. And then my luggage ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was in Kansas City. And I griped to God. I said, God in heaven, why did this have to happen to me? And somebody heard me and said, is there something wrong? I said, I want my Bible. I didn't care about my suit. I didn't care about my necktie. I could go to the store and buy something when I got my cab. I didn't worry about any of that. I wanted my Bible. You know what I like? I like my Bible. I like it in a car seat beside me. I like it by my bed at the house. I like it in my study. I like it in church. I like it wherever I go. I like it on your bumper sticker. I like it on the sign out here. I like it on television and radio. Somebody shout amen for this book called the Holy Bible. Shout amen. How many of you love your Bible? Say hallelujah. Well, I love my Bible. And I'm not afraid of the Bible. Shiny eye. In the Bible, proclaim God's law. The law was written there. Do you know that God described and inscribed the written commandments and tables of stone? How many of y'all remember that? You know, Moses got all ticked off when he got down the valley and broke them and that kind of thing. Everybody remembers that. Now, now the law was given there, but you don't have a lawyer. Now, listen to that. But but I know another mountain, and it's called Calvary, 
And Calvary did not proclaim God's law, but it proclaimed God's love. And that's the difference. So many common things, but some little differences. You see, I can approach the mountain called Calvary because I have somebody there that can plead my case. i got somebody when I go to Calvary, the cross, I can kneel there and somebody there will hear me and, and intercede for me. But at Sinai, that wasn't available. God even made a law that if a man or beast touches Sinai, they'll die. But you can't live until you touch Calvary. Woo, you're missing good places to clap. I'm telling you right now. That's true, isn't it? That's true. Do you understand that Sinai was very cold, very forbidding, very, uh, wow, the law, man. If you broke one of those, you'd die. If you broke one of those, you'd be in trouble. But Calvary was passionate and warm. And the tables of stone from Sinai stare at me right now. And they reveal every shortcoming I've ever had in my life. And the broken and wounded flesh of Jesus also reaches me. Hallelujah. And the broken flesh of Jesus Christ said, I was wounded for your transgression. I was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of my peace is upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to Calvary. I'm going to spend my time at the foot of the cross. Do you know that Sinai was the birthplace of moral law? But Calvary was the birthplace of spiritual law? You see, Sinai offered no remedy but death. Don't break these. You'll die. If you broke one of those, you were doomed. Calvary stands up and says, I have a remedy. It's called blood. And it cleanses my sin. And the Son of the living God that was tied to a hitching post with a whip, and they beat the daylights out of his body from the tops of his shoulders all the way to the calves of his legs, the lower parts of his legs, they shredded him. Psalmist David said in prophetic utterance, They did tear me and cease not. They ripped his flesh and pounded him with that whip. And then when it was over, the Son of the living God was drugged from there and had a cross laid upon his bruised and bleeding back. And he trudged to the top of Calvary's hill and he died there for my sin. And when he died there for my sin, he looked out in the blood that ran from his side and his hand and his head is the same blood that ran from his back for my healing. And everything that you need today is still available through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's still available right now. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. How many of you have been to the cross? May I see your hand? I know you have. I've been there. I knelt there when I was nine years old. And it happened for me then. It's been real ever since. That law of God was an amazing thing. Those Ten Commandments are all over the world today. And I believe in them. But Calvary offered me a remedy. Sinai was necessary because without it, the vice and sin in our lives would be paraded. And it would be paraded as a virtue. But Jesus Christ gave us a hope and a life, and that is the blood of Christ on the cross.
I'm going to tell you, this church world needs to go back to the blood. Forgive my bluntness. This church world needs to go back to the blood. There is no remission for your sin except you look back 2,000 years ago. I was preaching the other day in a conference, and, and uh, that they, somebody uh, told me this story later. They said, uh, who's preaching tonight? And they said, Johnson. And uh, some young, aspiring, millennial preacher was there and said, oh, I hope you don't take us back 40 or 50 years. You know what the old preacher said? Don't worry, son, he won't. He's going to take you back 2,000 years. Amen. I'm not going back 40. I'm not going back 50, 60, or 100. I'm going all the way back to the bloody brow of the cross where Jesus died for your sin and mine. And the blood, say it, will never lose its power. Hallelujah. How sweet is our God. Another interesting fact about these two mountains can be seen by comparing them in yet another light. Sinai was a revelation of God's holiness. Calvary was a revelation of God's heart. How many of y'all remember the old-time holiness days? Could I see your hand? Amen. I don't think it would be bad if we went back to some of that holiness again. Amen. They used to preach against television when all was on it was the Lone Ranger and I Love Lucy. You agree with that? Oh, it's a sin. They called it a one-eyed devil. They, they say when you turn it on, that devil comes right through your screen into the house. That's the way they used to preach. Uh, back in those days, they were probably wrong. But when you turn on one now, it's probably right. <laughs> you know what they said. And, and by the way, uh, this is Mission Sunday. And, and if, you're, if your missions given doesn't match your cable TV bill or your satellite bill, I think you're missing God. Somebody said, well, is that any of your business? Yeah, if you're going to pour that much money into Hollywood and hell and uh, violence and adultery and homosexuality and same-sex marriage and all that stuff going on on your television, if you're going to pour your money into that out there in Hollywood, won't you give something to help somebody on the other side of the world get saved and wash in the blood of Jesus Christ? Man, I'm liking y'all this morning. I'm feeling something up here. Hallelujah. Would you hear me again? You see, uh, Sinai proclaimed His holiness. Calvary proclaimed his heart. If, if you desire a holy life, you can find steps laid out at Sinai. There were ten of them. All you have to do is do every one of them every day of your life and never make a mistake. The directives were given, and somehow uh, they have become indelibly written wherever we go. I like to see the uh, Ten Commandments. How about you? I like them in the courtroom. I like them at schoolhouses. I like them at my home. I love the Ten Commandments. But Sinai is a schoolmaster. And that schoolmaster said, I want to show you where you sin. I want to show you where you failed God. I want to show you where you came short. I want to show you everything that you've ever done wrong. That's what I'm going to show you on the mountain where Moses got the law. And, and, and I would not know my sin had I not stood in the dark and dismal shadows of Sinai. And a holiness preacher of years ago got up and said, If you do these things, you'll go to hell. And if you stop doing them and ask God to save you, you'll go to heaven. How many of y'all remember days like that? May I see your hand? And Jesus still saves. It was a revelation of how bad we've all done. And, and, and the Sinai told me that death was mine. 
And when I failed in any part of the law, I couldn't live. But Calvary revealed the heart of God. Calvary has shown me the reality of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have life everlasting. And He showed me what it means to have Romans 6 and 23 where it said the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. Calvary says, give me your inability. Give me your failure. Give me your sin. I'll pay for your penalty for you. And I took my sins to the cross, and Calvary produced a living Savior. Hallelujah. And He's alive today. They buried Him, but He's not in the cemetery. Amen. They killed Him, but He's not dead. Somebody top that one for me, huh? Go to every other religion in the world and beat that. You can't do it. All of their gods, all of their leaders are in a cemetery somewhere. They've got them mummified and they've got pictures of them. And they've got him in statues everywhere. Let me tell you where my Savior is. He marched out of a cemetery before daylight on Sunday morning. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over the tomb. And that Jesus is alive right now, seated at the right hand of God. And soon to return in the clouds of glory to get the bona fide blood-washed plutocracy out of this earth. And we'll go up in the clouds of glory to meet Jesus in the clouds someday. My God, somebody got to get happy with me right now. I'm telling you, Christ is still the answer. The law will tell you where you're wrong, but Jesus will tell you where to have life and the joy of the Lord in this world. Give him a hand clap of praise because he deserves the joy that we have in our heart now. Mm. Both mountains are vocal. Both mountains are very vocal. They each have something to say. Sinai says, the wages of sin is death. Sinai says, the soul that sins, it'll die. Sinai says the smoke of their torment will ascend up forever. Sinai says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what that old mountain says. But if you'll let me take you over to the other one. It stands through the blood and bruises of Christ and speak words that issues life and floods like a river. That clears the sin path out of me and you. And I want to tell you the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Sonny, I didn't tell you that. But Calvary did. Do you know? Calvary says he that believeth will have life in it more abundantly. Sonny, I didn't tell you that. Calvary says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Sinai, I didn't tell you that, but Calvary did. Do you understand that we're all facing mountains? Some of you are facing a mountain of sin. Some of you are standing right now at the foot of Sinai. And you think about your sin, your dark past, your failure, what you did wrong. How did you just see somebody's face and remember what you failed God in? How that you have lived and never had a peace in your heart. Uh, Sinai will look at you and remind you 
from right now to the day you die that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, nobody is good enough, and you're sure not, is what Sinai I will tell you. But I want you to listen to me carefully. If you'll make your way from Sinai to Calvary, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And His blood will cover your sin right now. And you'll never be sorry because Jesus is still the Savior of the world. God sent out a decree from Sinai that said if a beast or a man touches this mountain, they would suffer death. God has sent out a decree stating that a man cannot live until he's been to the cross of Calvary where Jesus died. Why don't you allow Sinai today to just be something that you ultimately know and heard about, but you have walked from it now to the cross, and Jesus Christ is your Savior. This is a modern world. I want to close this sermon by giving you a couple of thoughts, and after that I'll call the musicians. But I want you to listen carefully to me now. Why would a man need God in the 21st century? Why, they say. Because yesterday in El Paso, Texas, dozens of people lost their life. The same day, a few hours later in Ohio, there was another one that took place. People gunned down. Yesterday, in one day's time. Why would a man need God in the 21st century? We have modern medicine, modern technology. We have bank accounts. We've got property. We've got bigger and happier places to go. That's what we've got. Why do we need God today? This is a modern time, Pastor. People don't need God like they used to need God. I want to help you understand something. You can live in a palace that's got 13 years to build it. And if you don't have God, you still don't have anything. You can be the Kennedys, the Onassis family, and the Rockefellers all wrapped up in one, but you still need God. You can have Donald Trump and Barack Obama all in one package and still not know Christ. I wonder about both of them. You can have a solid ivory throne overlaid with pure gold. You can have bricks made out of silver to build your house. You can have 24-hour day servants and you can drink the best wine in the world. You can have 40 stalls of horses and chariots and cars. You can have a banquet hall in your house with horseshoe-shaped tables And you can have strobe lights and fog machines to set the atmosphere for your life and fish pools in your backyard. But if you don't have Jesus, you still are lost. Come on, body, say amen. Christ is the answer. Am I preaching? Somebody say out loud, you're preaching. You can have water wheels sprinkling the woodlands behind your house. You can have birds fluttering in the the foliage and calling their mates on the other side of the world. You can have gold from Fort Knox. You can have ships that sail in the ocean. You can have oysters on your table uh, from, the, from, the, uh, the, from the sea. You can have the cedars of Lebanon to build your house. You can have spices from the Queen of Sheba. You can have everything that there is. You can have a handball court, a video recorder. You can type in www.com and have a smartphone and all still end up with every app that there is in the world. You can have Snapchat, voicemail, Facebook. You can have Instagram. You can have a 70 
72-inch uh, HD television hanging on your wall. You, you, can, you can know Siri and Lexi by first name basis and have conversations with those gals if you want to. You can have a ski resort. You can have every bit of that. But if you don't have Jesus Christ at the cross, you're still not saved. Somebody's got to get up and tell this message again. Somebody got to get up and say, this is the way it is. You can have a condo in three different states and trophies and plaques and honorary doctor's degree. You can have a tennis court, a jacuzzi, and a swimming pool. You can have a Corvette, a Learjet, a Pac-Man, a Nintendo. I told how old I am, right? You can have a modern, you can be a modern day gamer. You can do all of that. You can have a hand in hand life that you've written everything in your life about. But let me tell you this. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you're still lost. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus is the answer. And when the law was given, I did not have an answer. But when Christ died at Calvary, whoo, somebody say amen for me. When Jesus died at Calvary, oh, the next Sunday morning, he got up alive and he's alive right now. Can somebody give the Savior a good hand of appreciation because he is our master right now? Amen. You could watch and talk to Solomon. If you'd like to, before he was old enough to draw Social Security. Some of y'all got that. You old people got it. He wrote in his books 36 times that life is vain. Before he was 65 years old, he wrote life is empty 36 times. Vanity is a Hebrew word spelled H-E-B-E-L. It says Hebel, and it means empty. It means vain. It means something that has no substance in it at all. And you can have everything that I just read and more. And if you don't have Jesus, you still have a void and a vacancy in your life right now. I think we need to hear this again. How about you? I know men that destroy their health, trying to get their wealth, and then after they destroy their, their health, and they spend all their wealth to regain their health. I see it all the time. You see, you, you leave life like you, life like you came in. You, you brought nothing in and you'll take nothing out, not even in a U-Haul truck. Amen? When your leather is cracked and your mink coat shreds and your cashmere is unraveled and your diamonds have lost the beauty and the shine and the sheen, when that occurs, there's still something available. It's the Son of the living God. And he'll still wipe your sins off. And he'll take care of your past. And you'll not have one sin that you'll have to answer about because the blood of Jesus took care of it. A hundred percent, not ninety-nine, not eighty-nine, not some, but all of it. Come on, body of Jesus. I'm just trying to tell you, we have an answer. There's something better. And his name is Christ. And he can make you better than you can make yourself. And a man walked up to me just not long ago. He's bragging on himself. He said, well, Brother Johnson, I'm a self-made man. Look at me. He was old. He had false teeth. He was bald-headed. He had bifocals and bridges and bulges and bunions. He had everything. And I looked at him and said, if you're a self-made man, then for God's sake, why did you make something like that? <laughs> Amen. I think I hear that little chime going on behind me back there. It's time to quit. Everybody believes it's time for me to quit. Say amen. <laughs> I love you, buddy. <laughs> amen. Somebody say, I love Jesus. 
You may have never heard preaching like this in your life. You may say, what's all the yelling about? I'm screaming and yelling today because when I go to bed at night, if the big bomb was on an intercontinental, uh, intercontinental ballistic missile flies over Cryer Creek, Texas, and decides to land on top of my house and blow that whole part of this county into smithereens, I have no fear. I will be with Jesus. Just like that. If they come in today and say, dig a hole and get in it, nuclear war is beginning, the missiles will fly. I can sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Find me, Freddie. Purchased of God. Born of His Spirit. Washed in His blood. Sing it. This is my story. This is my song. Sing it out loud, praising my Savior all the day long. Lift up your hands and just love Him. This is my song. How do you love Him right now? I'm praising my Savior all the day long. While they play real softly, and you guys can go to any song that you want, okay? I just, I just got a little old timer in, and I had to work that one in. <laughs> uh, is anybody in this house glad? That you found Jesus at the foot of the cross. Is anybody here glad? Does anybody remember the day? I remember the night on South 15th Street in a rundown building. You ought to see that building. If you don't see it when the church over, go through those double doors up here. Turn left and they're on the, on the wall right there on the right. That's the old building. Oh, it looked nothing like this. My daddy put buckets to set in the church while it rained because water would run through the top of the ceiling and we'd catch water in buckets while we had church. Parking lot was muddy. Jim, my brother and I, would take off our shoes and socks and push people out of the parking lot that were stuck in the mud. I found God over there when I was nine years old. My old daddy baptized me in a homemade baptistry that they built behind the church and brought it in and installed it. Couldn't afford one like we have. Pull me up out of the water. New creature in Christ. If you don't know what that is, if you don't know what that is, 
Won't you decide to make Christ yours right now? If you, if you, if you have made him your Savior and you're happy about it, let me see your hand if you're happy about it. Thank God. Listen to me. We're going to pray. If there's anybody here in this house that needs to meet Jesus as your Savior, if you need to come back to Him, if you knew Him and you strayed away, you went off out yonder somewhere in sin, and you need to come back, come here. Be bold enough to do it, and the blood will wipe your past away. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much.